Ah, uh, yes, ladies and gentlemen, Inner Sandman once again playing to start off this episode of the ET Considers Everything podcast for Tuesday, February the 18th, 2020. Today is the 19th anniversary of Dale Earnhardt Sr. crashing on the last lap and passing away on the last lap of the Daytona 500. So today we remember his life, but we remember also Ryan Newman, who was involved in a horrific uh, car crash on the final lap of the Daytona 500 yesterday, which looked eerily similar to his 2003 wreck in the race in the Daytona 500. Um, he is seriously hurt, uh, no injury, or uh, seriously hurt, no life-threatening injury, so that's a very uh, positive sign. Um, a long recovery is on tap for him, but let's remember his family today. Let's remember his friends, let's remember all the fellow NASCAR drivers who were there for him uh, last night in prayer, and remember all the fans as well that were at Daytona and witnessed that. Um, you know, it's it's a tough situation when a wreck like that happens, but you just have to try to make the most out of it and move on in the most peaceful manner that you can, and Ryan is still alive, thank the good Lord for that. And we'll just continue to uh, remember him today. On today's edition of the ET Considers Everything podcast, we'll go over the Daytona 500, including a look into the final restart that caused that big wreck there on the final lap of the Daytona 500. Also, we'll be looking back at the NXT TakeOver Portland event, some bits and pieces from Raw last night, the Genesis Invitational at Riviera from this past weekend, and much, much more. So stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. The ET Considers Everything podcast is just getting underway. This, this podcast is in dedication of the memory of Dale Earnhardt Sr. And, of course, is um, with our hearts and prayers wide open to Ryan Newman as he uh, is on his road to recovery after his horrific crash yesterday in the Daytona 500. More of the ET Considers Everything podcast coming up here in just a few moments. Welcome back to the ET Considers Everything podcast today, ladies and gentlemen. At this time, I'd like to go ahead and talk about the Daytona 500, which took place on Sunday afternoon and finished up yesterday evening. What a fantastic event it was. Um, All the pageantry around it. 45th President of the United States, Donald Trump, opened the festivities by giving the command to start engines and... He ran a couple laps on the apron of the racetrack to get the experience and the feel of riding around the Daytona International Speedway. The race finally got underway a little after 4 p.m. after a rain delay during the uh, caution parade before the race got underway. And they got in 20 laps on Sunday afternoon before rain canceled the event to Monday evening beginning at 4 p.m. And the leader at the time of the uh, first um, break, as you will, after the 20 laps was Ricky Stenhouse Jr. They uh, resumed the race Monday evening at 4 p.m., just after 4 p.m. 
and it pretty much ran smoothly throughout the day. Um, first stage win was won by Chase Elliott. The second stage was won by Denny Hamlin. And the third stage was a final rundown of 70 laps to the checkered flag for the Daytona 500. And like I said, it was a excellent race that gave you everything that you wanted as a race fan. And some things that you didn't want as a race fan. There was a big wreck with about 17 laps to go that involved about a dozen to 15 cars of the field, uh, including Kyle Busch, Martin Truex Jr., Jimmy Johnson. A lot of the big names of the sport were involved in the wreck, so their Daytona 500s were over. And then there was another wreck with about eight laps to go. This one included Joey Logano, who was a big-time race favorite, Brad Keselowski, also from Team Penske, had a good opportunity to win the race yesterday. And uh, several others were involved, too. And, you know, the wrecks just kept on piling up there in the last 20 laps. There was a third wreck that um, took out a good part of the field um, with two laps to go. And uh, it caused the uh, overtime rule to be put in effect. Clint Boyer was involved in that wreck. So his 15th opportunity to win the Daytona 500 for the first time um, did not end well for him. So um, they went down and had to restart the race once again. Went into double overtime, as I put it, and Ryan Newman was the race leader. Denny Hamlin was in second. So definitely a lot of people were uh, interested in seeing how the race would play out under the uh, caution flag and under the uh, overtime rules that are going to double overtime. And Ryan Newman pretty much led it throughout. He had his teammate Ryan Blaney pushing him uh, down the back stretch on the final lap, and he was looking poised to win the Daytona 500 for the second time. Uh, but a tragedy would strike, he would be involved in a wreck, uh, flip over on his top, be hit by Corey LaJoy across the start-finish line, would cause his car to flip up in the air, barrel roll a couple times as it came to a stop near the end of pit road, and uh, um, as it would be, it would be a photo finish for the race win, and Denny Hamlin would get it. Dean Hamlin would win his second consecutive Daytona 500 and his third and fifth year in five years, joining only Richard Petty as the only man to accomplish that feat, winning three Daytona 500s in five years. Dean Hamlin moves into a tie for third all-time on the all-time Daytona 500 wins list, joining Jeff Gordon uh, in that distinction. Uh, the only two men that have more. Then Denny Hamlin is Carol Yarborough and Richard Petty. So a fantastic event. Uh, Denny Hamlin wins the race. Ryan Newman involved, as I said, in a horrific car crash. And it was eerily similar to how we all felt at the end of the 2001 Daytona 500. The wrecks were totally different, mind you. But... There was a feeling across the racetrack that this wasn't good. Um, they had black screens that were covering the race car as they were um, ejecting Ryan Newman from the race car, 
putting him into the ambulance and getting him to Halifax Medical Center in Daytona Beach, Florida. Uh, there would not be an update on his condition for about an hour, hour and a half after the race was t took place. So the fans were in limbo. They really didn't know how Ryan Newman was after this race took place. And um, that, like I said, there was just an eer eerily similar feeling to the end of the 2001 Daytona 500 to this one. Coach Joe Gibbs, class act as always, uh, said he didn't want to celebrate in pit road in victory lane until he had an update on Ryan Newman's condition. Kudos to that man. I, I have so much respect for him, have so much respect for uh, his race team, so much respect for him as a man that he would do that. Denny said the same thing. He said this, this race win means a lot to me, but he wants to know how Ryan was doing. And uh, that was the sentiments that took place across the NASCAR world as the second place finisher was interviewed, third place interview was uh, interviewed. Um, you know, you you, you want to say positive things about your race day and everything that took place on that day that got you to that point, but it all takes a backseat to the condition of a fellow race car driver. And in that moment, you didn't know how he was feeling. And you just have to hope for the best, pray to the Lord that he will protect Ryan and uh, hopefully keep him alive. And we got word from Penske and uh, Roush Fenway Racing um, and NASCAR Executive Vice President Steve O'Donnell that Ryan Newman was okay. He was alert. The injuries were non-life-threatening, but he was in serious condition. So we still need to pray for his ultimate healing during this tough time. Um, not, I'm not going to speculate on who will be the driver of the six car moving forward through the rest of this season. My guess is Ryan Newman will not be able to come back for this season, so they'll have to find a replacement driver. My guess is they'll put Matt Crafton into the six car and let him race for the rest of the season. That's just a guess. Uh, only speculation at this point, Ralph Fenway will make a decision on the condition of Ryan Newman after the uh, um, decision there from the medical personnel on what to do for his future. So, glad that Ryan Newman... Is still alive, excuse me, after that race crash yesterday. And that um, his injuries are serious, but they're non life threatening. So we thank the good Lord for that. And um, like I said, we remember him today. And today is the 19th anniversary of Dale Earnhardt Sr. crashing on the final lap and passing away during the 2001 Daytona 500. So remember his family today as well so there's my recap of the daytona 500 um just basically gave you a look at the stage winners and how it all played out there on the final stage with under 20 laps to go and cautions piling up um and then the accident coming out of turn four going to the, towards the start finish line for ryan newman 
barrel rolling, getting hit by Corey LaJoy, and um, just a horrific incident. Um, one thing I will say, um, people do not need to point blame or put blame on anybody for this. So simply a racing accident, folks. This is not something you need to point blame to. Um, Ryan Blaney simply made a racing move that caused Ryan Newman to wreck. Corey LaJoy was just racing his way back to the start-finish line. So do not put any blame on those individuals for this accident. It was not their fault. They were simply making racing moves. And that's the end of that. For all those that are disrespecting those two, I do not applaud you in this instance because there's really no sense in it. Do not put a blame on anybody for this. Let the man recover. Let him heal up. And if it's the good Lord's will, he'll be back on a racetrack someday. If not, then Ryan Newman had a hell of a career including a 2008 Daytona 500 win, a 2014 runner-up finish in the points where he came up one point short of winning a championship against Kevin Harvick. And uh, they call him Rocket Man for a reason. He's won, I believe, over 50 poles in his career in the NASCAR in NASCAR's top series. So Ryan Newman has had a heck of a career. Um, definitely, in my eyes, would be a Hall of Famer, um, but hopefully he will continue on with his race career, and we'll just hope for the best moving forward here. Everybody here that's involved with the ET Considers Everything podcast wished him, wishes him the best, and I'll just leave it at that. So with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to go ahead and end this uh segment here of the et considers everything podcast my look back on the 2020 daytona 500 when we come back here on the et considers everything podcast we'll take a look at the nxt takeover portland event which took place from the motor center in portland oregon on sunday night and we'll be taking a look back at monday night raw from last night from the uh, great city of everett washington so with that being said ladies and gentlemen We'll be back with more of the ET Considers Everything podcast here in just a moment. Welcome back to the ET Considers Everything podcast, ladies and gentlemen. At this time, I'd like to go ahead and take a look back at the NXT TakeOver Portland event, which took place on Sunday night from the Moda Center in Portland, Oregon. And ladies and gentlemen, what a fantastic pay-per-view this was. NXT TakeOver stood alone on this Sunday night. There was no WWE pay-per-view. There was no AEW pay-per-view. There was no um, Impact pay-per-view. No New Japan Pro Wrestling show um, to go up against it. No Ring of Honor pay-per-view. It stood alone on its own. And I'll say it done a fantastic job. It was a beautiful paced wonderful event that was uh, very easy to enjoy and i definitely uh, want to say for the record that this was probably one of my favorite takeover events that i have ever watched the show opened with poppy doing a performance of her song there for the takeover event and uh, it was a wonderful performance the uh, match card opened with 
Dominic Dijakovic challenging Keith Lee for the NXT North American Championship. And this was a hard-hitting, brutal, aerial assault-filled match between two, I don't want to call them super heavyweights, but big-time heavyweights um, that defy the laws of, gr of uh, gravity, to say the least. Um, Dijakovic done a springboard seated senton from the top rope to the floor between the two announce tables. That was a thing of beauty. Uh, Keith Lee done a superplex in the match. Um, this was just a hard-hitting affair from the start. Uh, these two work so well against each other, and they've had a rivalry here in NXT throughout the last, I want to say, six to nine months. And this was the rubber match of the series. Uh, Dominic Dijakovic won the first match. Keith Lee won the second match. And this was the proverbial rubber match, this time with all the stakes on the line of being the North American champion. And uh, at the end of it, Keith Lee would pick up the victory after uh, hitting a big side slam for the win. And just a wonderful match between these two. And it was beautifully paced and... Like I said, these two men defied the laws of gravity, defied the laws of physics, and just put on a hell of a show to start. And it really set the pace for the entire NXT TakeOver Portland event. The next match was the grudge match, I would say. The street fight between Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai. Now, Tegan Knox dominated much of this match, um with chair shots, uh, bringing a table into play that would come into play at the end of the match. And uh, this was just a wonderful match between two great rivals, two former best friends. It always makes for a great match when you have two former best friends going at it. They know each other's moves at the snap of a finger. And it definitely goes to show you that when called upon, these two can de deliver. And Tegan and Dakota both delivered in this match. At the end of it, uh, there was interference as Tegan Knox was going to go for a frog splash from the top rope through the table. It looked like uh, she was on her way to victory. But uh, Rachel Gonzalez came in, interfered. And then a choke slam um, to Tegan Knox from the top rope onto the announce table. It looked like it was going to smash the announce table, made a big pop, but ultimately it did not smash the announce table. And uh, Rachel Gonzalez would pull Dakota Kai on top of Tegan Knox for the one, two, three, and Dakota Kai would pick up the victory in this matchup. We have not seen the last of Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox going at it on NXT television. I've got a good feeling that they'll keep this rivalry going. May even do a first last woman standing match between these two as time goes on. But a wonderful matchup here. Rachel Gonzalez gets involved, helps Dakota Kai. Dakota Kai picks up the victory in match number two of NXT TakeOver Portland. Match three of NXT TakeOver Portland was the much-anticipated battle between the Rebel Heart, Mr. TakeOver, Johnny Gargano, 
and the uh, the extraordinary uh, man that does extraordinary things, Finn Balor. And this matchup gave everything that the fans wanted. Um, I have to say the result kind of left my head scratching on it. Um, I figured that Charlie Gargano would overcome the odds and pick up the victory in this matchup, but ultimately it wasn't meant to be. After Gargano had the Gargano escape in on Finn Balor, uh, Finn Balor reserved it, uh, reversed it, done a double stomp, done a coup de grace from the top rope, and then hit the 1916 to pick up the pin in the middle of the ring. Now, uh, these two men uh, definitely proved why they were the respective faces of NXT during their respective time periods on the brand. And I'll say this, Johnny Gargano has nothing to be ashamed of for losing this match. Finn Balor is one of the best competitors that has ever came out of NXT. And in my opinion, is probably the best NXT champion of all time. So, and, and that's saying a lot because you've got Adam Cole, you've got Samoa Joe, you've got Kevin Owens, you've got Sami Zayn, you've got Adrian Neville. There's a lot of great superstars that have been NXT champion. But to me, Finn Balor uh, comes out on top over all of them just for his impact, not only as the demon Finn Balor, but just as his normal persona Finn Balor as well. And NXT Finn Balor always puts on a show for the fans, and this match was no different. Johnny Gargano gave everything that he could to try and defeat Finn Balor, but it wasn't meant to be. Finn Balor will pick up the victory in this third matchup of NXT TakeOver Portland. This was the unofficial halfway point of the NXT TakeOver Portland event. Match number four was between the challenger Bianca Belair and the NXT Women's Champion Rhea Ripley. Uh, now, these two put on a great show. It's kind of a shorter type match. It was about 10 or 15 minutes in length, but there was a lot in that 10 to 15 minutes. Bianca Belair proved that she belonged on the right stage to be in consideration for the NXT Championship. And she definitely gave it her all in this match. Finn Balor, not Finn Balor, excuse me, Rhea Ripley ultimately would come out on top in this matchup, hitting a riptide after Bianca Belair was going to go for a diving splash. Rhea reversed it, hooked the riptide from the top rope, and uh, got um, Bianca Belair off of the top and hit the riptide for the pin one, two, three on the corner of the ring. So uh, Rhea Ripley will pick up the victory, retain the NXT Women's Championship. So she will be entering WrestleMania weekend as the NXT Women's Champion. Keep that in mind. Charlotte Flair would come in and take out Rhea Ripley after she successfully defended her NXT Women's Championship. Now, um... Seemingly, it's always always goes that the winner of the men's or the women's Royal Rumble will challenge for either the Raw or the SmackDown World Championship. This was not the case here. Uh, Charlotte Flair has done a first. She has decided to challenge Rhea Ripley for the NXT Women's Championship. I applaud Charlotte for this decision simply because it's a different matchup. We're, uh, we're used to seeing Charlotte against Becky. We're used to seeing Charlotte against Bailey. Uh, 
Charlotte against Rhea Ripley has a sense of freshness to it. And that's what we want to see in the wrestling business. We want to see it evolve. We want to see it continue to grow. And the better the opportunities are for these individuals, if they have new opponents to go after. And it's no different for Charlotte Flair. Charlotte Flair is a 10-time women's champion. She's the 2020 Women's Royal Rumble winner. She participated in the first ever Women's Hell in a Cell match. She participated in the first ever Women's Money in the Bank match. She participated in the first ever Women's Street Fight. Um, she has done a lot. And there's no doubt that Charlotte Flair was hungry for new competition. And that's why she decided to challenge Rhea Ripley for the NXT Women's Championship at WrestleMania. So... That's the matchup we get, and I'm definitely looking forward to that. That's a good clash of styles. Both of them are powerhouses in their own right. Uh, Rhea Ripley does a riptide move. Uh, she's got a submission that she um, brings out every now and then, but Charlotte usually uses her natural selection to get the pinfall victory if she does go for that. Or she goes for the figure eight. So this is a good matchup of styles here. Between um, the challenger Charlotte Flair, 2020 Women's Royal Rumble winner, and the NXT Women's Champion Rhea Ripley. Looking forward to seeing how that match goes on WrestleMania weekend. The fifth match of NXT TakeOver Portland was for the NXT Tag Team Championships. As it was the Undisputed Era defending against the Broserweights, Pete Dunne and Matt Riddle. Now, Pete Dunne and Matt Riddle have had hilarious cameos on NXT television over the past few weeks since winning the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic, capturing the Dusty Cup, winning that event to be able to challenge the Undisputed Era, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish for the NXT Women's Championship. Now, Matt Riddle has come up with a hilarious staying on Bobby Fish. I, it's too much for me to remember at this point. I won't get into it, but it's basically how much fish could Bobby fry, uh, Bobby fish fry, Bobby fry could uh, fish could fry fry fish. So there you go. It's a mouthful to say. How he says it, I don't know. But um, let's move forward here. Fantastic matchup between all four of these individuals. They prove why they are the future of NXT here, especially Pete Dunne and Matt Riddle. Um, Matt Riddle. Uh, got out of a lot of double team uh, finishing maneuvers there from the uh, Undisputed Era. Pete Dunn likewise snapped the fingers of Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly multiple times in this matchup. And uh, Matt Riddle and Pete Dunn would hit a combination move, pick up the pin one, two, three in the middle of the ring, and they would be become the new NXT Tag Team Champions. So. Matt Riddle, Pete Dunn, unlikely pairing, but works very well together. The Broserweights are the new NXT Tag Team Champions. The main event for NXT TakeOver Portland was much anticipated as it was former NXT champion Tommaso Ciampa finally getting his opportunity to take on Adam Cole for the NXT Championship. Now, Tommaso Ciampa had to relinquish the title last March to William Regal. Johnny Gargano would go on to win the NXT Championship at NXT TakeOver New York. Adam Cole would go on to defeat Johnny Gargano at NXT TakeOver 25. 
in Hartford, Connecticut to become the new NXT champion. So Adam Cole has been the champion since June. Tommaso Ciampa has not had an opportunity since last March to try to get back his NXT championship. This will finally be his time. And it was just an unbelievable match between these two. They both brought out the a, their A games, and they definitely know how to work a crowd. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa is one of the best at doing so. Adam Cole um, brings out that instant gratification, that instant love towards the fans. You can just tell that they are behind him 100% whenever they, he goes out there each and every time. And it was just an unbelievable show to watch. Um, you know, Project Ciampa was hit a couple times by uh, Tommaso Ciampa, and it was looking as if he was poised to win the NXT Championship, but Adam Cole would kick out each time. Adam Cole would hit a uh, last shot, and it looked like he was going to pick, pick up the win, but Tommaso Ciampa would kick out. And it would just leave a stunned face on either Ciampa or Cole each time that their finishing move would not put the other away. And that's what you expect out of a fantastic NXT Championship match. You want to see both individuals bring out their A game, and they done so in this match for sure. And it was looking as if Cole was going to get the win after Undisputed Area would get involved, but... Ciampa would take out all four members of the Undisputed Era, including, including Cole, who was in the match with him. Would hit the Project Ciampa, try to go for the pin. Referee was knocked out. His best friend, Johnny Gargano, was on the outside of the ring now. And it's looking as if he was going to support Ciampa in getting his NXT Championship back. It was looking as if Ciampa was going to get, go for the title belt, try to hit an eye for an eye on Adam Cole and... Uh, knock him out with the championship belt. Uh, Johnny Gargano would not let him do it. He would grab the title away from Ciampa. Ciampa kind of gave him a confused, puzzled look. And then Johnny Gargano would make the heel turn of all heel turns, and he would hit Johnny Gargano in the face with a championship belt. Adam Cole would cover Tommaso Ciampa, get the pin one, two, three, and Adam Cole remains your NXT champion. So he will be entering WrestleMania weekend as your NXT champion. Um, a shocking twist and a swerve that I didn't see coming. And I applaud WWE for doing this. Um, there's unfinished business between Ciampa and Gargano. And I feel like there's only one of two ways to settle it. The first way would be to put them in a normal last man standing match. Whoever comes out on top wins. Or... You put them inside Hell of Cell and you bring the legitimacy back to Hell in a Cell and let these two men go at it and NXT take over Tampa. Now, if they go in that route, then I applaud them for doing this move. If they don't go in this route and just kind of let it go by the wayside, then I don't understand it. I mean, if they want to do a more normal match, that's fine too. But to me, you have to have something that puts a finality to the rivalry of Adam Cole, not Adam Cole, of Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano. And like I said, either last man standing or in hell in a cell, 
would get the job done. So, there's the whole NXT TakeOver Portland event recapped. It's just a fantastic event and uh, one of the best TakeOvers that I've watched in a long time. Coming up Wednesday on NXT, it'll be the Velveteen Dream taking on former NXT champion, NXT North American champion, Roderick Strong, in a much-anticipated grudge match. And it'll be Jordan Devlin taking on Leo Rush for the NXT Cruiserweight Championship and much, much more. Of course, coming up on AEW Dynamite this week is the much-anticipated Steel Cage match, first-ever Steel Cage match for AEW, as it'll be Wardlow against the American Nightmare Cody. It'll be the Lucha Brothers challenging Adam Hangman Page and Kenny Omega for the AEW World Tag Team titles. We'll also see John Moxley in action um, against Jeff Cobb and much, much more on Dynamite this week. So, a great show for Dynamite, great show for NXT coming up this week. Wednesday nights are for wrestling, ladies and gentlemen, and it's a fun time to be a wrestling fan. Um, I don't act like it's a competition. I know, I know most people want to act like it's a competition, but it's not. Just remember, you have two great wrestling shows. You can watch one of them live, and if you don't want to watch the other one, you can just record it and watch it later or watch it the next day. That's the beautiful thing about DVR if you want to use it. It's like I do. I record both shows. I watch AEW Live. I watch NXT later. Most people do the opposite. They watch NXT Live, watch Dynamite later. Either way you do it, completely up to you. So there's your preview of coming up for NXT and AEW Dynamite this week. Look back at the NXT TakeOver Portland event. Raw was pretty much a whole hum what it was last week, uh, Aleister Black defeated Eric Rowan. That uh, was a, a first-time, like, legitimate opponent for um, Aleister Black. I thought Aleister Black done a great job bringing out the best in Eric Rowan. Um, Kevin Owens and the Viking Raiders defeating Murphy and AOP after Seth Rollins gets himself disqualified in the matchup on behalf of the AOP and Buddy Murphy. And uh, Becky Lynch says that she wants Shayna Baszler to win the Elimination Chamber match coming up uh, between six women. And she she says that um, she had put money in the ring that she is going to go ahead and pay off her fine uh, for whatever bad things that happened between her and uh, Shayna Baszler coming up over the next few weeks. But... Uh, the six women involved in that match will be Shayna Baszler, Asuka, Natalia, Liv Morgan, um, Ruby Wright, and there's one more. I uh, can't think of it right now, but those are at least five of the women that are involved. So uh, more than likely, Shayna Baszler is going to win that match. Um, it's much like the SmackDown one that's involved with the men. Roman Reigns will more than likely win that. So, there's a kind of a look back on what took place on Raw last night, the major angles. And, oh, yeah, Randy Orton took out Matt Hardy with multiple um, concerto shots against the steel steps that were really gruesome looking. Um, you could tell with the angle of the chair, 
he didn't hit full on head force on the head to Matt Hardy, but it was enough impact to make you feel it. And uh, sad to see Matt Hardy leave the WWE like this, but all indications are that he's going to AEW, so that's the reason why he had to take these bumps last night. So there's a look back at the Randy Orton angle. And there's you a look back at the NXT TakeOver Portland. Preview of NXT and AEW this week and a, a, a mini look back at Raw last night. So when we come back here on the ET Considers Everything podcast, ladies and gentlemen, we'll wrap up talking about the other weekend in sports action. So stay tuned. Much more to come in just a moment. Welcome back to the ET Considers Everything podcast today, ladies and gentlemen. This time I'd like to go ahead and wrap up the podcast by talking about the uh, other major sporting events that took place this past weekend, including the Genesis Invitational on the PGA Tour. Uh, give you a, a little recap of the NBA All-Star Game and just uh, look ahead to some of the major sporting events that's going to be coming up this week as well. So... Uh, let's talk about the Genesis Invitational first, get it out of the way. Matt Kuchar won the Genesis Invitational this weekend by two shots. Or excuse me, Adam Scott won the Genesis Invitational this weekend by two shots over Matt Kuchar, who finished second at 11 under par. Tiger Woods would finish 22 shots back of the eventual winner, Adam Scott, at plus 11. Um, he would make the cut, but he would uh, finish in last place. But, you know, it, it's positive that he made the cut. That's good. He got to play four rounds under his belt. Uh, I'd say the next event that he'll play will either be at the Honda Classic or at the uh, Players' Championship coming up in the middle of March. So we'll see how Tiger does the next time out. But Adam Scott wins the Genesis Invitational on 11 under par this weekend, topping out Matt Kuchar, who was the leader after the second and third rounds of the event. And uh, Adam Scott will pick up the victory in the Genesis Invitational. So congratulations to him. Uh, the next event on the PGA Tour will be, I believe, in Florida. But I'm not 100%. I have to look back on that. So we'll see what the next event is, and we'll keep you posted here on the ET Considers Everything podcast and on the ET Considers Everything Twitter handle now. That's at ET Considers, E-T-C, all capitalized. So check that out. That's a new Twitter page that I've got. So definitely looking forward to that and keeping you updated on everything sports and wrestling related on there, much like I do on my regular Twitter handle as well. So, Adam Scott wins the Genesis Invitational this weekend. Congratulations to him. The NBA All-Star Game was a new format this year. Uh, the first to 157 points would win, and uh, the, both teams took 24-second violations to start the game in honor of Kobe Bryant. And they had an eight-second uh, moment of silence for Kobe Bryant before the game got underway, before starting introductions, so lots of uh, Kobe Bryant um, memorials, and that was definitely nice to see. 
Ultimately, the West would come out on top in this All-Star game, being the first to score 157 points. Kawhi Leonard would be named the Kobe Bryant All-Star Game MVP. So congratulations to him. Wonderful performance by the West coming back from 10-plus uh, points down to start the fourth quarter to pick up the victory. So a good win for the West in the All-Star Game. The NBA regular season will get back underway this upcoming Thursday with games on TNT. Games on Friday will be on ESPN. So definitely looking forward to that. And congratulations to Kawhi Leonard for winning the Kobe Bryant All-Star Game MVP and the West winning the NBA All-Star Game. Just a fantastic game between Team Jonas and Team LeBron. And it was a lot of fun to keep an eye on there on a Sunday evening while I was watching the TakeOver Portland event as well. Uh, last night in college basketball, number three, Kansas, defeating Iowa State by a score of 91-71. to Another strong win for Kansas. Uh, they will go to Baylor this weekend in a matchup of the number three and the number one ranked teams in the country. Um, definitely a marquee matchup this late in the season between two of the big Blue Bloods in the uh, Big 12. And both of them will be trying to make a statement as they are looking to capitalize and to earn a number one seed in the upcoming NCAA tournament coming up in the middle of March. So big game between Kansas and Baylor coming up this weekend. Huge win for Kansas last night, defeating Iowa State on Big Monday. The other game on Big Nut Monday was Notre Dame and North Carolina. I don't know how much more I can take with North Carolina. This has been one of the worst seasons that I've ever seen for the Tar Heels, and I'm a Tar Heels fan. For people that know me, I do take my North Carolina basketball very seriously. But when when you come to a point that you're used to a team losing, that's not a good thing. It's just not. You you don't want to see your team uh, come to that point. But for me this season... You know, I don't get too excited when North Carolina have leads because I know that they'll ultimately will end up choking and end up losing. That's exactly what happened last night. They had a 20-point lead on Notre Dame on the road. This would have been a huge win for North Carolina to try to get back into contention maybe for an NIT berth. But they lose on a last-second buzzer beater as usual. And they lose 77 to 76. So, not fun times to be a North Carolina Tar Heels fan right now. Their only way to make the postseason tournament would be through the upcoming ACC tournament. And I don't see them winning four games in four days to do that. So, um, like I said, it's tough to be a North Carolina fan right now, this season. But a lot of success in the past. And uh, can't hang their head too much because we did win the national championship three years ago. Made it to the championship game four years ago. So not too much uh, to hang their heads on here. But just a tough season. But they'll rebound and we'll get a good recruiting class and hopefully be back in contention in the ACC standings next season. So as you look back on Big Monday... There's you look at the NBA All-Star game. There's you look back at the Genesis Invitational that took place this weekend. Uh, also, the other races from the NASCAR um, 
opening weekend grand end finger won the nascar camping world truck series race and noah gregson won the nascar xfinity series race at daytona on saturday afternoon so congratulations to those two along with the winner of the 2020 daytona 500 denny hamlin winning his third daytona 500 in five years so here you look back at the nascar weekend look back at the nba all-star game look back at the genesis invitational big monday and much much more so with that being said ladies and gentlemen i'm going to go ahead and end the podcast here i want to thank you all so much for joining me today my name is et eric tyler mullins this has been et considers everything a podcast here on anchor and if y'all don't mind check it out i'm on anchor i'm on google podcast spotify pocket cast wherever you can get your podcast available i'm there and you can check out my new twitter handle for this show it's at et considers capital e capital t and capital c and you can keep up with what i'm keeping up and going to talk about on the et considers everything podcast with some retweets of um, some sporting events some retweets on some wrestling events as well and much much more so with that being said ladies and gentlemen my name is et eric talamones hope you all have a wonderful rest of your tuesday and i'll catch you all next time Have a great day, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. I love y'all, and I really appreciate y'all very much.